Today's draft class is brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training is in full swing, so it's time to start thinking about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball drafts. You can flex your skills as a real GM with a new weekly scoring format that makes it even easier to dominate your fantasy baseball league. Use the Set Active Players feature to set your lineup for the week in one tap. The Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Sign up now at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball that's yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball we're also brought to you by the ringer.com we have tons and tons and tons of ringer nba coverage going on the site including a brand new piece from the big boss bill simmons regarding the rise of anthony davis who is just ridiculously dominant these past couple weeks we're also trying to get you prepared for march madness so go check out the one chatting podcast with mark titus and tate frazier titus is here in la until april so the osp crew will be talking college hoops all through tournament season and we've also asked titus and tate to be on the show very soon possibly next friday so looking forward to that now it's draft class Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor. This is Draft Class, our weekly Friday show, breaking down the NBA drafts. Calling in from the other line for this week's special mailbag episode is fellow Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. I had a good night last night. Now I'm just ready to talk draft with you and Isaac. I got a confession to make before we start. Okay. So everyone's talking about this soup thing with J.R. Smith. I've probably had soup like five times in my life. Five? Never got into it. I don't know. I had like... Ramen noodle a few times. That was about it. How's so? Okay, so that's I think the issue here is you started out with ramen noodles and you've never had. I like, never really... went from there. Yeah, Wait, so hold that on, was hold on. Ramen noodles and soup are not in the same family. <laughs> Let us. Get I believe that it's called ramen clear. noodle soup, right? Isn't what? it called ramen noodle soup? No. Listen, I. Oh, this is. I don't know if we can do the pod. <laughs> this is, what a take. That's not a take. It's just a fact. I, th- I don't know. Maybe I'm missing out. I'm not even sure. Yes. Never you are 100% missing out. Soup is amazing, dude. Get some like, good chicken soup. It just never seems that in- intriguing to me. It's like, I'll just drink something, then I'll eat something later. I don't know. I have to mix the two. Oh, my like, God. Good vegetable and beef soup. Oh, man. French onion soup. <sighs> clam chowder. Wonton soup. Pudetchige. Mmm. So much good soup. Now you're just making up words over there. <laughs> All right, so you guys, you asked us draft questions on Twitter using hashtag RingerNBA, and we always want to hear from you. So always use hashtag RingerNBA on Twitter or Instagram, and that way we can stay connected. But we're going to start off today with a question from Maddie Butcher from Twitter because it's related to some news. Michael Porter Jr., top Missouri prospect, could play on Saturday if he's failing okay after having back surgery at the beginning of the season. So Maddie asked, would Michael Porter Jr. benefit more from playing or would he just be fine staying out? I think he would be fine staying out. I feel like he'll still be a top five or six pick regardless. But I do wonder if he has like a dominant couple weeks, maybe he could be into the top one, two, three discussion. I don't think he has much to lose by playing. I'll say that much. I think where you said he could be a top five or six pick, I think it's possible, of course, all right? But I don't know if that's for sure. I think a handful of people I talked to at Sloan, they viewed Porter before the season and now as kind of a six or seven guy on their board. So if you're Michael Porter and you're seeing yourself on rankings at six, seven, eight, and you think you're the number one guy, I absolutely think there's a lot to gain. And yes, you also said there's not a lot to lose. The only thing that he could lose is getting hurt again. But I think that's a fear for any player. But if he plays 
and does well entering the tournament, I absolutely think that he could have a lot to gain here. I mean, for one thing, he's playing with his little brother. Like, how many more chances does he get in life? Like, he's going to make a lot of money next year regardless. So why pass up the chance to play with your brother for like the last time? Do you like Porter? Are you a fan of his game? I need to see more of him. I haven't gotten to watch a ton of him. I have some questions. I see where the concerns are, but on paper, like he seems like he has a high floor at least, just with his size, skill, and shooting ability. I think with him, I mean, he's six foot ten, potentially versatile player. I like him. I don't love him. He reminds me a little bit of a Gallinari type of player, one of those guys who good, you know, he's versatile, but you always kind of are left asking for a little bit more. With Gallinari, it was partially due to injuries and availability, but also just with his play. I, I think Porter could be a really good guy, but his, his ball handling needs to come a long way. If I'm a team, I want to see him play because I want to see him create in tough playoff March Madness level situations because he could become a great go-to scorer, and that's what you want him to be. But the level he's actually at, I think that's the big question, and he could answer a lot of those if he's able to play this month. Yeah, what I want to see is like facilitating because I feel like from what I watched him like in the international game, he just jacked a lot of shots and he's not like a hot uber elite athlete. So you want to see like his feel for the game. Can he get like three, four assists, read the floor, kind of lead a team? So in that sense, I think it could be very valuable for him playing the next few weeks. I don't know if his feels that great. I think that's another kind of concern I have with him. That's why I want to see these games. From Andrew Carrier, we have, who is one current top 10 prospect that has a chance to fall to the 20s? Who is it, Sharks? To me, it's Wendell Carter at Duke, Ooh. who I like as a player. Wendell Carter. And I saw your thing in our mock draft today where you said you could see him being a better player than Bagley. And I can see where you're coming <laughs> from on that, but I also wonder, a lot of centers, a slower center, plays out of the post a lot. I could see him falling just because of positional need. I don't see how it's possible at all that he could fall, to be honest. I think Wendell Carter is a guy who just flat out knows how to ball. I think, yes, he's a little bit slower, but his positioning and understanding of the game, his three-point shot, his rebounding, he's just so damn good all around. I'd be stunned if he fell into the 20s. I'd be just stunned. The guy that I think could fall is Colin Sexton. He's six foot two, long. He had his amazing moment earlier in the season when he was just dominating five on three for Alabama. Oh, the three on five, yeah. Three, yeah. three on five, unbelievable. But he hasn't, over the course of the season, proven that he can be either A, a competent playmaker, or an efficient scorer. I don't know about Sexton. He, I like his game, but with the depth of point guards in the league, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that are going to be thinking, Colin Sexton's going to be our guy for the next decade. See, I think at the very least he'd go top 20s because his floor as a really athletic kind of shot creator will have some value. And that's why I think with like Carter, how many teams need a slow center? How many teams need a center at all out of the top five? I feel like some of these centers are going to fall. He's more than a slow center, though. He's an effective I mean, he's good spot for what up he shooter. Is. He's a really good passer for his size. He's good positionally on defense. I think Carter's really friggin' good. What I said yesterday, or or rather on today's mock draft, which you can check out on TheRinger.com, I'm not saying he's better than Marvin Bagley or that he will be better than Marvin Bagley. I'm just saying it's something that's worth thinking about. I've actually heard that. An NBA executive ran that by me the other day. I could see it, but I think it comes down to more positioning than anything. I just think Carter knows how to ball. How about you, Isaac? Do you have a guy that, that you think could go from the top 10 into the 20s? Yeah, for me, it's Mikael Bridges out of Villanova. Just because he's a junior, he's like three years older than all the other kids coming in. I know that the teams that are tanking right now or are you know looking to draft in the lottery 
aren't looking to get just like a nice role player. They want to build for the future. They want to get a project. And, you know, we know who Mikhail Bridges is. He's been in college for three years already. So he might slide down. He might fall out of the top 10, but by the time you get to 15, you want a surefire player. There's nobody falls below 15, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I just think he's going to slide. Maybe not to the 20s, but definitely going to slide. Third question from Chris Larson. Where would the top three from last year's class go this year? And the top three, of course, just to go through it again. Number one, Markel Fultz. Number two, Lonzo Ball. Number three, Jason Tatum. How do those guys compare to this year? Where do you think they would fall, John? I would say in terms of point guards, Markel will still be the top point guard in this year's draft. Tatum will be right there with the wings with Porter and Doncic and all those guys. Lonzo... I think they'd probably still be in the top five, six range. I mean, it'd be a very stacked draft, obviously, that many good players in it. But I think they wouldn't fall that far. I don't think so either. I think going into the drafts, right, not factoring in the information we have now, I think Fultz would be right up there with the Bamba, Jackson, Bagley type of group. I don't think he'd be on the Doncic 8 level. I think the same would also be true for Lonzo Ball and Tatum. I'm curious, Charks, with the new information we have one year later, how would you compare Tatum to Doncic? Ooh, that's interesting. I would still go with Doncic just because of the uh, passing. I feel like that really kind of separates him from Tatum right now. But I could see the argument. I could see the argument. What about you? I know you're a Tatum guy. I still think Doncic is on his own tier for me. He's still just the number one guy. And as much as I love Tatum, granted, we have a lot of new information. We've seen him in the NBA. If you're only going through with the pre-draft stuff, it's Doncic. Well, for sure, from pre-draft, yeah. I think the good thing about this question, Charks, is that it's important in some ways to compare one class to the other in terms of your evaluation. Because sometimes when you're only looking at one class within a vacuum, the guy that you have ranked fourth or fifth might seem greater in importance based on a certain class when in actuality... Every draft class is ranked differently. That's why sometimes I think I have an issue when people say, historically, the number five pick spits out this type of player. Historically, the number three pick does this. When in actuality, every draft class is different in strength. And the NBA people I've talked to, I know in our own evaluations, this year's top eight is really, really strong. Just like last year's top 10 was really strong. Next year might not be like that. Each class independently, I think, needs to be graded differently instead of looking kind of at the entire scope of the draft over history. So we always talk about how LeBron James could be a dominant NFL receiver or a tight end. And so we have kind of a question related to that from Matt at MatterDude on Twitter. Which prospect in this year's draft class would be the best NFL player? I think you got to go with Miles Bridges from Michigan State, Isaac's boy. I mean, he's what, what, 6'6", 230? Big guy. Super tight athletic. End. He'd be incredible tight end. He's definitely got some gronk in his game. You know, you want, you want a big athletic guy in the NFL. That's kind of your prototype. To me, most of these guys are like they're very tall, string beanie. You want a big, solid dude like Miles Bridges in the NFL. How about Colin Sexton? Put him at corner or safety? Interesting. I could see that. He's very much got the NFL mentality of one-on-one. He'd be really a cornerback. I could see that. A lot of energy from Sexton. I could see him, you know, maybe one of those guys that alternates between safety and corner. Six foot two with long arms, built. See, I kind of think press cornerback for Sexton. Like, get up in someone's face, stand line of scrimmage. The question with Sexton really would be kind of the same question with the NBA. How's his discipline? Can you rely on him to not jump passes, to not get himself out of position to play within Ooh, the system? that's good. That's a nice cross-board reference there. I like that. That's good. That's also the truth in the NBA, though, with him, isn't it? With his on-court decision-making. Yeah, I don't know if playing for Avery Johnson was the best coach for him. 
but that's for another day. So they had an interesting follow-up question, Kevin. Which NFL player would be the best NBA prospect of the NFL stars currently? Do you have one that comes to mind for you? I mean, it's a cop-out to say one of the guys that actually played basketball, like Antonio Gates. It is a little that, bit. That, that's a cop-out answer, but it's kind of the truth, isn't it? I was thinking maybe like Cam Newton. Uh, but he's a pretty good shooter. I'm sure most quarterbacks are. He could be like a small ball four-ish kind of guy. Do we know he's a good shooter? Well, we're guessing. I mean, I feel like most quarterbacks, the hand-eye coordination. I don't know. I'm thinking a receiver. I'm thinking a an Antonio Brown type. But they're also short, though, for the NBA, most of those guys. They're like 6'1", 6'2"-ish, a lot of them. So they got to be point guards. I mean, that's kind of the issue. Some of the big guys in the NFL, you look at someone like Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Six foot three. He's a big quarterback. Cam Newton is a big quarterback, but he's only a two guard in the NBA. No, I feel like the way the league is now, Cam's probably Draymond Green's height, like six six two forty. Like the way the league is going, I think that can be a small ball four now. You got DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in football, six foot one. Not the best career playing college basketball at Clemson, but he's a two sport athlete. I have to give him credit for that. Well, I mean, for sure, Mo, it feels like it's always the other way. It's always like smaller players in college basketball go to the NFL more than the other way around. I mean, just height alone makes a big difference. In reality, the best NFL player in the NBA would probably be some re- a random ass dude, probably a bench guy who maybe at some point in his life had a choice to play football or basketball and he might have just made the wrong selection. Maybe a guy who can just stroke threes, we'd never know about it. Like some like linebacker who can just stroke. So who knows? Question from two people, pretty similar, from Seth Mason and Mike Offner. Should the Celtics be rooting to get the pick from the Lakers this year or root for the Sixers to get that pick because it's protected picks two to five. And instead, they would get the Kings pick next year, which is only top one protected. What should the Celtics fans be rooting for, Charks? Well, I'm not a Celtics fan like some other Ringer employees might be. But in my opinion, I think you want the pick this year because A, it's kind of looking like the 2019 draft is not quite as strong. And B, it seems like the player Boston needs long-term is their like long-term big man to replace Al Horford because you already got Kyrie, you've already got Jalen Brown, you've already got Tatum. You kind of want like a stretch five-ish big man to round out your core of the future. So you get a top five pick in this draft, maybe you get that player. So to me, you want the draft pick this year. What do you think, Kevin? I think you just want that pick as soon as possible. I think that's really what it comes down to. A, this draft is stronger, at least on paper, and B, you just want to get that pick so you have that asset, especially in the two to five range in this year's stack draft. Next year, there's some good prospects. I think next year's draft could be really good with R.J. Barrett up top, Cameron Reddish. Uh, There's some good talent, but it's certainly not as deep and there's not the wealth of options that there will be available in the two to five range of this year. So you don't think the Kings pick, which is only picked for the top one, wouldn't be really valuable still? I feel like people always talk themselves into the draft and so a pick would still be very enticing for anybody. Oh, it'd certainly be valuable. No doubt about it. All draft picks are incredibly valuable at this year's deadline. Only the Cavs dealt a first-round draft pick. Nobody was willing to deal a first-rounder for Tyreek Evans, a guy scoring 19, 20 points per game this season. There's just not a lot of players that you would deal picks for, especially in today's climate. So it's going to have value. But just the sooner you get that pick, the better. I think that's really just what it comes down to for me. The sooner, the better. If you're a Celtics fan, you'd be rooting for this year for sure. We had a question from Chris Vernon from Memphis. I know a guy by that name. The question is, Hmm. what are the chances that Jaron Jackson goes number one? He says, I think there's a team that would at least take him at that choice. Which team do you think it might be? What does Jaron Jackson need to do to actually make himself an option to be the number one pick? 
Oh, I love me some Jaron Jackson, but that's even strong for me, number one. I thought you said he might have been the top big in the draft. I love me Jaron Jackson, but I feel like when you're talking number one, you know, there's all kinds of like publicity and hype that go into that. So I'm not sure he would go number one no matter what. I guess if Michigan State wins a national title, probably be the best thing he could do. Why should teams worry about that? Who cares what anybody else thinks? I mean, we're projecting what could happen, not what we think should happen. For sure. I feel like people do care about that. Like, why should a team care, though? I mean, they shouldn't, but people shouldn't do all kinds of things. People are very insecure, you know? Publicity matters. The ownership at number one comes into play, too, because the owner gets involved at that level. Like, ooh, number one pick. I should get a star. I think it's a shame. And you're right. It is a factor. But I really do think it's a shame for some teams that it is a factor with the decisions that they make. Hey, but we still like talk about David Kahn taking those two point guards ahead of Steph Curry today. And that happened, what, 10 years ago? So, I mean, this stuff is legacy. Yeah, nobody wants to get dunked on, man. Think about it too, like Chris Grant. He was wrong about Anthony Bennett and now he doesn't have a job. Because like, you can't hire Chris Grant now because, you know, he picked Anthony Bennett number one. Like, that sticks with you. In the 2010 draft, I've heard this story uh, multiple times. The Timberwolves with a number four pick some guys high up in the Wolves front office wanted to take Paul George, but because of, you know, kind of the consensus out there, because of the perception that Wesley Johnson was the guy, they ultimately didn't go with their gut, with their feeling that he was actually the right choice, and they ended up taking Wesley Johnson. Betting and people always say that. Like, everyone always was about to draft Draymond Green, you know. People are always like, oh, I was this close to taking this good player. Yeah, there's a difference, though, with certain stories that you hear. I think anybody can say that, but there, there were legitimately teams thinking about taking Donovan Mitchell last year. I know the Knicks were thinking about it. I know the Hornets were thinking about it. I know the Pistons were thinking about it. And that's from information prior to the draft that they were thinking about. It. They just didn't. I don't know if for them it was because of their own dependent evaluations or because of anything factoring in. But yeah, see, at that range, I don't think it's like the pre-draft hype comes into it. It's more like your top one, two, three picks. Ready for the lightning round, Isaac? Yeah. You ready, Sharks? Let's do it. Let's do it. You guys asked us a lot of questions and we're trying to burn through some before we run out of time. So let's do it. Let's start off with a guy by the name of like really smart Van Dam, Charles Van Dam. Are there any teams that will be scared off by players involved in the FBI NCAA investigation? No. Next question. Nope. Everybody knows players get paid. Next. From Caleb Davidson. Assuming LeBron stays with the Cavaliers, which rookie would fit best with him? Oh, man. That's a pretty big assumption. Uh, (laughs) What do you think, Kevin? Who do you got there? I think it's Bridges from Villanova. Uh, Michael? Yeah, I mean, fit for sure. Yeah, stick him in the 3 and D role on that team. He can help now and later. From Scott Gower, which guy should Suns fans want the team to draft if they have a top three pick? Who's going to complete them, Charks? I'm going to say Jaron Jackson. They need defense. They need three-point shooting. All in one. Come on, man. Get him another star. Give me DeAndre Ayton for that team. If you put Ayton on top of Devin Booker and Josh Jackson and all the free cap space they have coming up, give me Ayton. I want the upside guy. From Nigel Roxbury. What should the Clippers do with these two borderline lottery picks they have? Is this your burner account, Isaac? <laughs> no, it's not. But uh, apparently there are more Clippers fans out ah, there than myself. Okay, good, good. What do you think, Charks? What should the Clippers do? Well, let's see our producer's call first. He's yeah. a Clippers man. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a Michigan State fan and I'm a Clippers fan. So I would really like Miles Bridges mm. on the Clippers. And not just because I'm a Michigan State fan and that would be a confluence of my two teams. 
but also because he's a wing. You know, he's actually more of a combo forward, right? And, you know, yeah. he takes a lot of threes. He's built. He's a sophomore right now. If he comes in next year, he'll just contribute right away. The Clippers need wings, and I would really like Miles Bridges or someone like Lonnie Walker. Just any wing, really. That's not so Austin was, Rivers. So you thinking, like, draft two wings? You think they should do that? Yeah. Just go wing-wing? Anything that could bury Austin Rivers on the bench. That that's is fair. my hope. That's a, that's a fair take. <laughs> Hopefully we're not asking, man, if only Miles Bridges played for the LA Rams, maybe he should change sports. <laughs> then, then we get a problem. Oh, nice callback. Callback. Good one. From a guy on Instagram who DM'd me. His name is Don't Be Petty. Nice. Which big man prospect is the best fit next to Lowry Markkinen? Let's say Bamba, because like with Lowry's already such a good shooter, a, a dynamic role man, great shot blocker. I'm with you on that. Bamba next to Markkinen. I love that fit. Uh, Aiton would be interesting too, but I don't know if there's enough guaranteed defense. Yeah, very yin and yang, Bamba and Markkinen. Your guy, Jaron Jackson, would also be an interesting fit. Yeah, well, he'd be fit pretty much anywhere. From Butch Romero, if Luka Doncic played in college basketball, what team would he play for, and would they be the favorite to win it all? I think he'd play for UNC. They don't have a lot of top-line talent. It's kind of a down year for them. He fitted right perfectly in with the Roy Williams system. And I think whatever team he was on in college should be the favorite. This guy's killing the EuroLeague, which is way above college basketball. Four years at Duke. Wait, what? He played four years at Duke. He'd be in the next no great one, Duke no player. No one plays four years at Duke I'm, I'm only kidding on the four Duke's years part. That. He would go to Duke. 100% Duke. They'd probably pay more in Real Madrid. Last question from Chino. It's a big one, Sharks. Are you ready for it? Yes, I'm ready. Should the San Antonio Spurs trade Kawhi Leonard for Luka Doncic, whoever has the number one pick, he said, I feel like Luka's the perfect spur. Kawhi's the perfect spur. I know he's available free agency, but that'd be crazy to me. Okay, let me revise this question. If Kawhi pushes his way out for whatever reason, he's like, I want out. I don't want to be here. Would that make it okay? Would it make it okay if you're getting the number one pick back and whatever else on top of that? Does that make it okay to trade Kawhi or are you fighting back like they did with Aldridge? I'm fighting back like, like you still have with Kyrie. Like when a guy that good tries to push his way out, you got to at least fight for him. I mean... The odds of this guy being good as Kawhi are pretty small. Kawhi's amazing. You got to go for it. What would it take on top of the number one pick for you to make it okay? God. I mean, it's worth thinking. I mean, look, front offices juggle all these scenarios. Like, they think of, you know, okay. everything that's going to happen ahead of time. Like, you're, you're in the Spurs front office, and, and R.C. Buford says to you, John, what would make it okay for us to trade Kawhi? I think two guys like that. So, like, if the Lakers were at two and he fell to two, and I could get, like, Ingram and Doncic. I want something stupid Wait, like that. For Lakers don't have their pick. Kawhi. Oh, you're saying in a, in a hypothetical situation. Yeah. How about the Suns then? How about Phoenix? If they had the number one pick. I want like an all-star and Doncic or a Sky I think could be that good. Like give me Booker and Doncic. Booker? Yeah, for, Bo- for Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. That feels like a lot, dude. Well, then don't trade for Kawhi Leonard then. Come on. I mean, he's only got one year left on his contract. There's no guarantees he'd be willing to resign there. If Kawhi wants out, I'm pretty sure it might be because maybe he wants a big market. I don't see any other reason why. Well, I think he'd want to go somewhere with another star. That's probably why he'd want to yes. go somewhere else. Chucks, that was fun. Yeah, I think we'll do it a few more times before the draft. Yeah, we're going to do a mailbag the first week of every month. So always be submitting 
hashtag ringer NBA questions on Twitter, slide into my DMs, email Charks, hit up Isaac on Twitter, just attack us yeah, with questions. Just, just text Isaac. We'll give you yeah. his number. Yeah, Please just, don't. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to today's show. Thank you, Charks, for joining me today. Thank you, Isaac. Anytime. Yeah, Isaac's just slumming with us between binge mode episodes. So we appreciate your time. Thanks again for all the questions. We really enjoyed it and looking forward to doing this again. And please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow Charks on Twitter at Jonathan Charks. You can follow Isaac on Twitter at Isaac K. Lee. And you can follow me at Kevin O'Connor NBA. We'll see you next Friday. Peace out. Peace out.